0: Good morning, and welcome to Simply Sports. It's Tuesday, January 23rd. On today's show, proud golf outlasts Kostiuk in Aussie quarters, and sources say the Dodgers and Paxton are closing in on a deal. Plus, we have a game recap of the Suns' 115-113 victory over the Bulls. This coverage and more, up next. I'm David, and you're listening to Simply Sports. In the Australian Open, Coco Goff has claimed a spot in the semi-finals after a challenging match against Marta Kostyuk. The match, filled with errors, saw Goff come from 5-1 down to win the opening set on the tiebreaker. However, the match was pushed to a deciding set before Goff clinched victory after more than three hours. Let's start off by discussing this match in more detail with our tennis correspondent
1: for Simply Sports, Bella. Bella, could you give us more insight into this match? Certainly, David. Goff's victory was indeed a testament to her tenacity. Despite hitting 51 unforced errors, nine double faults, and just 17 winners, she managed to pull through. The match was not only a physical challenge, but also a mental one, as Goff had to maintain her focus and determination throughout. And how did Goff react to her victory? Goff expressed pride in her performance, acknowledging the tough competition posed by Kostock. She also mentioned that she left it all out on the court, which is evident from the intensity of the match. Goff also noted the Melbourne heat, but being from South Florida, she's used to such conditions. What does this victory mean for Goff's journey in the Australian Open? This win propels Goff into the semifinals, where she'll face either defending champion Irina Sabalenka, or number 9, Barbara Krejcikova. It's also worth noting that Goff has now won 12 straight matches in Grand Slam tournaments after winning the U.S. Open last September. That's quite an impressive streak. How is Goff feeling about playing in Rod Laver Arena? Goff expressed her excitement about playing in the iconic Rod Laver Arena, noting the presence of many American flags. It's clear that she's enjoying the atmosphere and the support from her fans.
0: The Los Angeles Dodgers are reportedly on the brink of signing a one-year agreement with free agent starting pitcher James Paxton, a deal that is still pending a physical exam and expected to guarantee Paxton about $11 million. Here to discuss this potential acquisition and give us some background on Paxton's career so far is our baseball correspondent for Simply Sports. Abby, what can you
2: tell us? Certainly, David. Paxton is a 35-year-old left-hander with a bit of a mixed injury history. He only made six starts from 2020 to 2022 due to a procedure to repair a herniated disc and remove a cyst from his back, as well as Tommy John surgery. He returned in May 2023, nearly 25 months after his elbow surgery, and went 7-5 with a 5 d ERA in 19 starts for the Boston Red Sox. He had a strong first half of the season, but struggled in the second half, largely due to knee inflammation.
0: So how does Paxton fit into the Dodgers rotation, which has seen quite a bit of reshuffling this offseason?
2: Paxton would join a star-studded Dodgers rotation that includes Yoshinobu Yamamoto, Tyler Glasnow, Walker Bueller, and Bobby Miller. Dustin May, who's coming back from flexor tendon surgery, is also expected to be an option during the season. However, there are some question marks Bueller is returning from his second Tommy John surgery and will likely have innings restrictions, while Glasno will probably be closely monitored coming off Tommy John surgery in 2022. Yamamoto, who's coming from Japan, is used to a six-man rotation, so the Dodgers' depth could allow him the flexibility to make starts on five days rest.
0: The Dodgers have certainly spent big this
2: offseason. Can you give us some insight into their strategy? The Dodgers have indeed been big spenders, shelling out about $1.7 billion this offseason on free agents, including Shohei Otani, Yamamoto, Teoscar Hernandez, Jason Hayward, and now potentially Paxton. They also acquired Glasno and outfielder Manuel Margo in a trade and signed Glasno to a five-year, $136.6 million extension. Their depth is impressive, but there are still some uncertainties in their rotation.
0: What about Clayton Kershaw? Is there a chance he could return to the Dodgers'
2: rotation? The Dodgers haven't publicly ruled out a return for Kershaw, but he underwent offseason shoulder surgery and wouldn't be an option until perhaps August. Otani also won't be ready to pitch until 2025. So while the Dodgers' rotation is star-studded, it's also fraught with uncertainties and potential injury risks.
0: In an exhilarating game of basketball last night, Kevin Durant of the Phoenix Suns showed his medal yet again, making a contested 17-foot jumper with just 1.6 seconds left on the clock to help the Suns erase a 23-point deficit and stun the Chicago Bulls 115-113. It certainly seems like the Dodgers are taking some calculated risks. Here to discuss this further is our basketball correspondent for Simply Sports, James. James, how significant was Durant's contribution to this victory?
3: David, Durant's contribution was nothing short of phenomenal. He finished the game with 43 points, 8 assists, and 6 rebounds. This performance came just one night after he scored 40 in a win over the Indiana Pacers. His game-winning jumper, in particular, was a testament to his skill and composure under pressure. Indeed, Durant has a reputation for delivering in high-stakes situations. Can you walk us through the final moments of the game? Certainly, David. With just 29.3 seconds remaining, Durant hit a wide-open three-pointer, giving the Suns a 130 to 111 lead. However, Chicago's DeMar DeRozan responded with a short jumper to tie it at 113, with 22.9 seconds left. Then in the final possession, Durant received the ball from Jusuf Nurkic and pulled up for the jumper with Bulls defenders all over him. He adjusted in midair to avoid a block and made the shot, securing the win for the Suns. That sounds like quite the nail-biter. How did the Bulls fare in this game, despite the loss? The Bulls put up a strong fight, David. They built a 66-49 halftime lead despite playing without two-time All-Star Zach Levine, who missed the game due to a sprained right ankle. Kobe White led the Bulls with 26 points, while DeRozan added 21, and Nikola Vucevic contributed 19 points and 17 rebounds. The Suns had to fight back from a 23-point margin in the third quarter making their comeback victory all the more impressive. And what's next for both teams? The Bulls will travel to Los Angeles to face the Lakers on Thursday, while the Suns will be heading to Dallas on Wednesday. Both teams will be looking to build on their performances in this game. On the 18th anniversary of Kobe Bryant's
0: 81-point game, Joel Embiid and Karl-Anthony Towns delivered two of the highest scoring performances in NBA history. Embiid scored 70 points against the San Antonio Spurs, the most points ever scored against this franchise, while Towns finished with 62 points against the Charlotte Hornets. Joining us to delve deeper into these record-breaking performances is our NBA correspondent for Simply Sports, Michael. Michael, how significant were these performances in the context of NBA history? That was Simply Sports basketball correspondent James. Thanks for the insights.
4: These performances were truly historic, David. Embiid and Towns are the fourth pair of players to each score 60 points on the same day, and the first to do so since 1978. Embiid's 70 points set a 76ers single-game scoring record, surpassing a mark that had stood since 1967. He also became the first player with 70 points, 15 rebounds, and 5 assists in a game. On the other hand, Towns became the seventh player in NBA history with multiple career 60-point games, setting a Timberwolves single-game scoring record. Let's break down these performances a bit more.
0: What were some key numbers behind Embiid's record-breaking performance?
4: Embiid's performance was remarkable in several ways. He recorded just one turnover, passing Carmelo Anthony for the most points in a game with one turnover, or none since 1977-78. 30% of his points came from free throws, where he made 21 of 23 attempts. This was his fourth career game with at least 20 free throws, the most in 76ers history. He also recorded his 43rd 40-point 10-rebound game, tying Shaquille O'Neal for the sixth most in NBA history. And he did all this in just over 36 minutes, the fewest in a 70-point game in NBA history. And what about Towns?
0: What were some key numbers from his 62-point night?
4: Towns also had quite a night. He hit 10 three-pointers, becoming the third player in Timberwolves history to do so in a game. He's also the first player in NBA history with 10 three-point field goals, 10 two-point field goals, and 10 free throws made in a game. He scored 44 points in the first half, the most in a first half since the 1996-97 season. And he's the first number... One pick in NBA history with multiple 60-point games and the first Timberwolves player to score 60 in a game. These are truly impressive performances.
0: What has been the reaction from the NBA world?
4: The NBA world has been full of praise for both players. LeBron James, Paul Gasol, and many others have expressed their admiration for Embiid's speedy scoring efforts. Towns' hot start and his damage from beyond the arc have also been widely recognized. And with that... We wrap up our stories for today.
0: Thanks for listening to Simply Sports. We'll see you back here tomorrow. That was our NBA correspondent shedding light on the historic performances by Joel M. Bede and Carl Anthony Towns.